Back chat. Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Back chat. Back chat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swatha Das. And I'm Eden Faithful. Happy to be co-piling with you this week, Swath. Uh, we've got a banger of a show ahead today, from legal aids resources for refugees to Australia to why ASMR is the next frontier in grassroots campaigning. We're bringing you the stories that you might not have heard on your airwaves this week. First up, we have Florence Cruz Montalvo, a solicitor at Legal AIDS Refugee Service, chatting to us about the ways in which their service can improve the lives and experiences of young people and refugees in Australian society. After that, we've got a story from Backchat's regular co-host, Shami Sivasubramanian, about Techfugees, a not-for-profit that seeks to use technology to help newly arrived refugees to Australia. And then we're going to be hearing from comedian Izzy Phillips about how she's whispering in the next frontier of climate activism. We'll be discussing all that later on in the show, but as always, we want to hear from you. What is one sentence you would erotically whisper to climate deniers if you had the chance? That's right, you heard me. Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. Did you know that every 60 seconds, 20 people from around the world are forced through social, political, financial means to leave everything behind to escape war, persecution or terror? And every day, the plate of refugees, especially those coming to Australia on Manus and Nauru, is becoming more and more dire. We've got Florence Cruz Montalio, a solicitor at Legal Aid's Refugee Service, chatting to us about the ways in which their service can improve the lives and experiences of young people and refugees in Australian society. Welcome to the show, Florence. Good morning. Thank you for having me. No problem. So what does Legal Aid New South Wales do and what's your role at the Refugee Service? Yeah, so um, just generally, Legal Aid New South Wales provides legal services um, to disadvantaged clients across New South Wales. We've got several different offices. Um, it's free, confidential, uh, face-to-face legal advice, legal representation for eligible clients in certain matters. Uh, we have family dispute resolution. We get we have free workshops and webinars. So it really is centred around building people's understanding and knowledge of the legal system and helping them out with their legal problems. Yeah, you do some amazing work. So (laughs) we're currently observing National Refugee Week. How does the Refugee Service help refugees in Australia? Well, um, the Refugee Service is a statewide specialist service and its aim is to help improve refugees' uh, legal literacy through community legal education and increased access to legal services and that's really to help prevent their legal problems from escalating. And the team I'm a part of is a very unique team because we're a multidisciplinary service. Um, I'm the family law solicitor in the team and we have three civil law solicitors. We also have a community engagement officer who is linked with the refugee community, her herself being um, a recently arrived refugee. And the way that we help our clients is by providing them with a one-stop wraparound service. So 
we help them with their civil law problems. Um, if they have family law problems, we help them out with that as well. And also non-legal problems, so we can link them in with other support services, such as a financial counsellor and things like that, to really help them um, because they don't really know what the legal system is um, and that's why we're there to, to assist in that way. Are there any specific cultural or legal challenges that refugees face here? I think um, not understanding our processes, because obviously they're coming to a, a different set of laws and practices is a big thing, so you've got that bit of a cultural shock. Some things that they might think um, is fine that they could do in, in back in their home country, um, like you know, music, for example. I, I, I've spoken about this before, where music is a big part of, of my culture and other cultures and um, sometimes if they're celebrating something they might be blaring the music um, very loudly very late at night very early in the morning and that's actually um, an offense so they could get in trouble in that way um, driving on an international license for more than three months um, that's also an offence, um, a minor offence, and, and a lot of people don't actually realise that, not just recently arrived refugees, but recently arrived um, people in general. Um, and, you know, other things like, for example, you can't take a trolley on the train or near the train tracks. I actually didn't really realise that until not so long ago. <laughs> but, you know, putting your feet on the seat, um, you're registering your pets, you know, those types of things could get them in trouble without them knowing that it's actually a legal issue. Yeah, absolutely. So Legal Aid New South Wales also provides legal support to other disadvantaged groups in society. So who can approach Legal Aid for advice and representation and who's eligible? Yeah, so, I mean, we have different um, layers, if you'd like to call it that. So if you would like to have legal representation, you do have to meet the Legal Aid eligibility criteria. Um, You don't have to be an Australian citizen or permanent resident. You can um, approach Legal Aid to apply for um, a grant of aid for court representation, for example. But you just have to meet the means test, which looks at your financial circumstances, and your merit test, which looks at what you're asking for. Is it reasonable? Is it likely that you will get that result? and so that, that's one aspect of it. But if you just want um, some free legal advice, you don't really need to be eligible for a grant of legal aid. Um, and that's available to the wider community. We do have specialist units and teams. For example, we have the Children's Civil Law Service and the Children's Legal Service, which help children and young persons um, who are under the age of 18 we also have the Civil Law Service for Aboriginal Communities, which is dedicated to the legal needs of Aboriginal clients. Um, the Refugee Service, you know, we focus on newly arrived refugees who have been in Australia for less than six years. Um, but every office has um, lawyers who are civil lawyers, um, family lawyers and criminal lawyers who can help you out with your criminal, civil or family law issue. And it doesn't matter what age you are. If you have that problem, we can give you free legal advice. But obviously for a grant of age, you need to meet the criteria. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha Das and Eden Faithful. We're speaking to Florence Cruz Montalvo, a solicitor at Legal Aid's Refugee Service, about the ways in which they help refugees and also others in New South Wales. Florence, do you have to be in trouble with the law to approach Legal Aid in New South Wales? Or can you also get advice if you're on the other end? 
Yeah, not at all. I mean, I think when people think about legal problems, the first thing that they think of is like a criminal offence. Um, but we also deal with other issues. Um, so everyday issues I like to call civil law problems. So if you're on the other end of the problem, um, for example, if you're um, in debt or you, if you have um, a tenancy problem, you know, with your landlord or you've been dismissed unfairly. Now, in those types of situations, you can speak to one of our civil lawyers and get legal advice. Um, family law matters. So if you're experiencing family and domestic violence, you can talk to one of our family law solicitors. Um, if you are going through a separation, for example, you can talk to a solicitor. So you don't have to be in trouble um, or be charged with an offence to get um, free legal advice. Um, so why is the legal aid services so important, Florence? Um, it's important because, you know, I believe and, and you know, the legal um, sector believes that every person should have, you know, equal opportunities and be able to exercise their rights and enjoy their freedoms and to receive, you know, equal treatment in their interaction with our legal system and before our courts. And that really is what legal aid aims to do, to help those who may not otherwise be able to advocate for themselves. So we're really there to advocate on their behalf and to help guide them through that legal system that can be very foreign to a lot of people, even if they've lived here their whole life. So Florence, uh, thank you for all that information. Where can people go uh, to seek your support? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing you could do is um, just look us up. You know, you can go to our website, legalaids.nsw.gov.au. There's a lot of really great information there, publications and fact sheets, you know, frequently asked questions that you can look at. Um, it also has a list of legal aid offices. So our head office is in central Sydney, but we have offices, I think, you know, every, in every area. So we have them in the regional areas, but also in... Um, Southwest Sydney, Western Sydney, um, Parramatta, those areas. We also do outreach, so we go to areas that might not have a legal aid office, um, for example, in the Mount Druitt area um, or in the Wagga Wagga, you know, sort of Albury area, the regional areas, and we go out there and give free legal advice. So if you go to your local legal aid office or if you just look us up online, you can find a place that's closest to you where you can get legal advice. Fantastic. Thanks for talking to us this morning, Florence. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Florence Cruz Montalvo, a solicitor at Legal Aid Refugee Service. Later on in the show, we're going to be speaking to Izzy Phillips on why ASMR is the next frontier in grassroots campaigning for climate activism. So we want to know, what is one sentence you would erotically whisper to climate deniers if you had the chance? Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at BackchatFBI. It is absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. TechFugee is a non-for-profit organisation that brings together startups and techies to address the refugee crisis held their fourth Sydney meetup on Thursday. Backchat's very own Shami Sivasubramanian attended to find out more about the incredible ways refugees and tech are coming together. Here's Shami. I came here six months ago. I have a degree in IT. I was a lecturer at the Syrian University. I worked for all the tech companies. And I came here and I was told I could be a cleaner or security guard. That's Anne-Marie Elias, co-founder of TechFugees Australia, an initiative that partners talent from the refugee community with opportunities in the tech sector. 
Here she is sharing Narari Dutcho's story, one that's all too common amongst new refugees, many of whom come here with highly sought-after skills and qualifications, yet struggle to find gainful employment. And a whole lot of people gravitated around Narari that night, that day, and it was Anna Robson in particular, and they co-founded something called Refugee Talent. They went out and spoke to a whole bunch of employers and they said, well, could you intern a refugee who has skills? And the employers looked at the CVs and they said, well, why wouldn't we give them an opportunity to apply? According to the 2019 Global Trends Report released by UNHCR, more than 70 million people are currently displaced around the world. For those who are granted asylum in Australia, the journey to our shores can be tumultuous enough. But once here, the struggle doesn't end particularly when it comes to finding employment worthy of their qualifications. In the past five years, a new wave of startups and incubators have emerged. Techfugees, refugee talent, career seekers, talent beyond boundaries, and so many more are geared towards helping skilled refugees find corporate jobs. I definitely think there is still a stigma um, around being a refugee. And in fact, sometimes when I say I am a former refugee, it does feel like a active resistance <laughs> in the rhetoric that we have around refugees today. That's Lynn Dang, Head of Talent Acquisitions at Microsoft Australia. She's also on the board of UNHCR for Australia. Lynn's family fled Vietnam shortly after the war. She says not giving refugees a chance denies Australia's corporate sector the much-needed skills and diversity of thought it needs to compete on the world stage. And her work at Microsoft aims to give them that very chance. Talent is just equally distributed um, across our world, but opportunity is not. If we put a job ad in Australia, most companies use LinkedIn or Seek and they put the job ad here. When a refugee comes to this country, even though they have all the qualifications that they have in their home country, when they come here, they don't automatically go on Seek or create a LinkedIn profile. It's actually generally not the first things they do. They will go talk to someone in their community who may have found a job, <laughs> for example. Um, so just one way of that. And then even as we write job ads, um, jobs in Australia really aren't inclusive in the writing. We screen a lot of people out by saying 10 years experience in this or um, having this requirement. In, in fact, sometimes having this one-on-one um, interview process or interview panel is quite daunting to a new person to the country when English is not their first language. Lynn also says it's profitable for businesses to hire refugees, citing the 2015 McKinsey report, which shows the companies can outperform their peers by 15 to 35 percent simply by hiring more culturally and gender diverse staff. To find these candidates, organizations are tapping into Facebook groups and setting up shop right in the suburbs with the greatest influx of new refugees. Take Mohammed Jafari, a refugee from the Hazari community in Afghanistan. He says he was lucky to have come across Career Seekers, a recruitment agency that helps refugees and migrants break into the corporate sector. I came across them through a friend. A friend of mine uh, heard about them on social media and uh, told me about them. So they helped me um, in terms of the initial uh, application and they helped me prepare um, uh, for, for, the, for the interview, um, so giving me some tips. And, and it's just a partnership that they have with this organization and they mentor you throughout your, um, I, I guess, your journey while you're, they help me find an internship with Macquarie. Yeah, so 
do you think it would have been hard, harder or near impossible to kind of... I think it was near impossible. I think it was... Maybe I would have because I was that type. I was a fanatic. I was crazy. I would have either way, but, but it, it definitely helped and it's helping a lot of other people. But in some organizations, employment opportunities for refugees have emerged organically without any pointed initiatives. UNHCR for Australia's face-to-face program is an example of just that. I'm Naomi Steer. I'm the founding director of Australia for UNHCR. We had people coming to our doors, refugees, who'd heard that there was a UNHCR office, saying, is there work? And so we started employing these refugees in our advocacy campaign and, and program, because who, who better to talk about needs of refugees than refugees themselves? Fitzum Sengogo was one such hire. He grew up with UNHCR's humanitarian relief whilst internally displaced in Ethiopia. When he arrived in Australia in 2011, he struggled to find work. That is, until he joined UNHCR for Australia as an advocate. And, you know, my connection with UNHCR is since when I was like 10 years, you know, and then I decided to, uh, you know, find, uh, you know, this organisation. And because I know uh, what refugee means and what, you know, internally displaced people in their own country. So I am from the family that affected by such a kind of crisis. So I, you know, it's, it is beyond the passion in me. You know, it's, it's a part of my, you know, my, my life as well. So I joined uh, Australia for UNSCR in uh, uh, 2014, July. And uh, in Melbourne and started as a frontliner and, you know, I developed in uh, in my in that organization and also and team manager in Brisbane and I recently moved to Sydney as a campaign manager. So it's really a great opportunity for people like me as well because Australia for UNSCR is uh, not only uh, helping refugees in account, it's also providing opportunities for the people who are from a refugee background as well. So I am one of the benefited persons. Multinationals, NGOs and startups alike are beginning to see just how much value lies in hiring from the refugee community. So there's real economic value in that as well, but I would also say that it's the right thing to do. That was Shami Siva Subramanian on the TechFugees event held on Thursday. You can find out more about them on their website. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. When we talk about action against climate change, we often hear about the importance of raising our voices to make them heard. But let's be honest, that doesn't seem to be working. So what if we take the opposite tact? What if we speak softer, smoother, sexier? Izzy Phillips is a comedian who is using ASMR to do just that. (laughs) She recently did a TED Talk on how we can use ASMR to address climate change. Welcome to the show, Izzy. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely didn't hear that. (laughs) Uh, So, for those who don't know, uh, what exactly is ASMR? So, ASMR stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And it's essentially a nice or pleasant feeling some people get when they hear certain sounds. And these sounds are known as triggers. So, it could be a gentle whisper. It could be the rustling of leaves. It could be the tinkering of nails against a, against a bowl. Um, and these these sounds trigger people to feel certain things in their body, like like a tingling or a warm sensation. So what was it about the novelty of ASMR that drew you to the form? Well, I think it's just 
a bit weird. Um, it's a bit provocative. I think it really catches you and makes you really stop in your tracks and question what this is. And I think the community around it is also what's really amazing. The fact that there are so many different types of ASMR and people who are passionate about different types of ASMR, which is so great. So um, explain to us, how are you proposing that ASMR is helping to raise awareness of climate change? Well, I think, you know, we've we've been talking about climate change for so long um, and people just aren't listening. And there's, we've got media inaction, we've got political inaction. So we've got to be talking in different ways to get people engaged. Um, and what better way than ASMR, provocative way to, to do that? And I think that when you when you talk to somebody or engage them in a way that's different, you know, people are really despondent about climate change. It feels completely helpless. It feels like it's too late. It feels like we can't do anything. If we engage people in a way that can make them laugh, um, hopefully that can ignite change. So you actually uh, addressed this in a TED Talk at the <laughs> ABC, and we actually have a clip <laughs> from your TED Talk. So let's see if this works. <laughs> So that's the noise of her chewing. <laughs> Everyone in the audience is just a little shocked. <laughs> and now you're walking over to a bowl of water and you're sipping from the bowl of oh, water. Oh yeah, my mouth is so dry. <laughs> uh, Oh no. Picks up the mic. No land should ever be that dry. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, tell us how are people reacting to this phenomenon? How did the ABC react? How did the TED Talk audience react? Well, you know, I, I was a bit worried when, when I was doing my TED Talk because, you know, when people go to, to see a TED Talk or go to a talk event, they're really there to learn. They're there to, to learn new ideas, to have their you know brain disrupted. And I thought, how are they going to go with comedy? Because when people go to a comedy show, they're ready to laugh. So I was a bit worried about how the audience would react. But I was so happy that everyone really got on board and everybody got it straight away. Yeah. Um, and I think that just kind of speaks to the fact that if we talk about things in a sad way, for it, like no one's going to engage with that, you know? And and I also think it's it's speaking to young people as well who need to come into the conversation about it. And I think if it wasn't clear already, Izzy's not actually an ASMR. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I just want to preface that. Um, but it is just this novelty of ASMR that you're using to get people yeah, interested. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just using the medium of ASMR and kind of linking that with comedy um, to, to talk about this. You're listening to Back Chat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha Das and Eden Faithful. We are chatting to comedian Izzy Phillips on how comedy can be used to raise awareness of social and political issues. Now, we've been asking you guys to text in on what you would erotically whisper to climate change deniers. We've got a text in from Anonymous. Are you going to whisper it? I'm going to whisper it. You okay. ready? Let's see if we can hear it. Okay. okay try this is my, my first foray into ASMR. All right, here we go. So, uh, Anonymous would whisper... I want you to tear me open like the hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Tingles, guys. Tingles already. Uh, <laughs> we got another text. Oh my god! I got another text. Um, Samantha from Hasfall says she would whisper, "Your children don't have a future." <laughs> oh, that's so sad. That is dark. 
Okay. Anyway, so um. Izzy, I, I also do stand-up comedy, and for those who don't know about that, <laughs> yeah, do tune in. Um, and I tend to do stand-up comedy about, you know, racism and, and sexism that I experience in my life, and I find that it helps me address, you know, quite uncomfortable topics and be able to talk to an audience that doesn't really experience that. But the counter-argument to that is people say that it sometimes diminishes the severity of these topics. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I do hear... I do hear that argument, but I think it all comes down to how you tackle it, how you say it, how nuanced your jokes are. I mean, if you're making these kind of jokes, they have to be really good, you know? You can't just do it in a bad way. And I think that's why comedians, you know, you have a platform, you have a microphone, you, your voice is being amplified, and you really have to think about what you're saying because because when you're saying things, it matters. That platform matters, and you have to use that. So I think that you have to be smart. You have to really think about what you want to say. You have to think about how it will be interpreted, how it will be conveyed. And in those thoughts and those questions that you're asking yourself, that's where the gems come out. And that's how you can make some change and, and really connect with people and break down different issues. So has anyone approached you and maybe critiqued or not liked the fact that you're talking about climate change in this way? Well, surprisingly, no, actually, which has been really nice. I mean, I think maybe people just don't care about climate change. It's just a reflection of society, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I've had a lot of people react to the way that I'm using ASMR and thinking that it's just a kind of, you know, it's, it's, when I was touring in Adelaide, I would try and, you know, fly her for my show, which was called ASMR Live. And I went up to this girl. I was like, hey, do you like ASMR? She just kind of looked me up and down. She was like, yuck, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. That's It's not for everyone. But, um, yeah, I just think that, you know, people also, that's, that's the art, honey. People are going to like it. They're not going to like it. It's provocative. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So look, shows like Saturday Night Live, John Oliver's Last Week Tonight, like Colbert Report, they all use comedy to make fun of today's political state. But do you think that it's effective in actually rallying action from people? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. You know, I think if we look at Saturday Night Live, you know, post-Trump, the way that they use political satire, you know, they... It wasn't really satire. They were just getting Alec Baldwin to dress up, you know, and mm. and just say what was happening. And so for me, I was quite...